Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Shout out Nick DeLuca. It's been a while since I've heard his voice doing a podcast for the Nosebleeds. Last time it was on Zoom, so we didn't have the intro. We had to edit that in after. But this time, we're back in the studio. Ton to talk about. Tampa Bay Rays, they are 13-0. That ties the longest win streak to start a season. So plenty to talk about there. Joined by Ethan Kramer and Dan Scott. Ethan, how are we doing today? Doing good. Enjoying the beautiful Bronx weather that we've had this whole week and hopefully continues into this weekend. I don't know about you, but I mean, our house right now, it's like... I mean, how how hot do you think it was in the house yesterday, Danny? It was hotter inside the house than it was. I mean, we outside. had to go. We it had was, to go. Out, it was like eight. It was might have been ninety in the house. It it was almost ninety outside, and it was probably ninety five in the house. Like I don't know if I can be inside at all today, and it's not because of how nice it is. It's about how bad it is <laughs> indoors. But um, I mean, great weather for some baseball. That's great for sure. For and it doesn't matter for Tampa Bay because they're inside Tropicana. They have the dome and they're all the way down in Florida, so they don't get affected by this New York weather. But they are playing the best baseball we've probably seen from any team to start a season. They are 13-0. and That ties the Milwaukee Brewers and the Atlanta Braves. The Brewers did it in 1987. The Braves did it in 1982. So they are going to make history if they can get another win. Start 14-0. It'll be the best start for any team as far as we know. Um, and, and Danny, I'll go with you first, and we go to Ethan. What's working so well for this Rays team? And I'm not going to say it is it sustainable because it's not. But are they legit contenders? Because I'm not sure a lot of people had them on their radar entering this year. Well, what's working well for the Rays is just being the Rays. They have the same exact idea going into every year. They have just random guys that end up being really, really good that no one had heard of until, you know, maybe halfway through spring training and you look and they got a .5 ERA and you're going, okay, who is this guy? But it's just the scrappiness of the Rays. I feel like every single year, you know, I know you're a Yankees fan, all my Yankee fan friends, they they just talk about how annoying the Rays are. You can never get them out of a game. They're always in games. They're always just going to be scrappy. They're going to do all the little things right. And I think they have the best scouts in baseball. It, you see it year after year after year. They just have these random guys that end up being really, really good. No, not only do they have the best scouts, I believe they have the best development in terms of especially their pitchers. It seems like every pitcher they have that's bringing out there is 95, 97, and then going to throw you a 92-mile-per-hour slider, and you go, how in the world can I hit that? You know, at the beginning of the year, though, I did think that the Rays were a contender. I actually had them finishing second in the division behind the Blue Jays. Oh, wow. The Yankees, yeah. Wow. I mean, it's still the, I think it's still the best division in baseball. I think the early season has shown that definitely. Yeah, the Orioles are good, too. You know, the Red Sox. I, I Not good. In the division, but <laughs> the Orioles are young. They're up and coming. But really, I think the story of the, um, the Rays has been Wander Franco. He's actually shown that he can be the best shortstop in the big leagues. He had all the potential when he got up. Number one prospect, switch hitter, good fielder. Hadn't really stayed on the field, had been hurt. Now he's finally healthy, had a full spring to get his reps in. 
and he's really shown what he can do. He's seen much more bombs than he's had before in, in the small sample size, of course. But it's looking like he's putting it all together. Yeah, I, I think it's it's been a I think amazing start, obviously, for the Tampa Bay Rays. Let's kind of walk through their schedule early on. They started against the Detroit Tigers. This is on April 1st and 2nd. Then they went to the Nationals on the road, and then they played um, the Athletics as well. I mean, they haven't lost a game, I mean, to start the season. And they've beat on some bad teams. I think that's the big case against this team. They just beat the Red Sox in four games in Tropicana. So they have kind of maybe gotten away with playing some lower talent. But now on Friday, they will be heading to Toronto to take on the Blue Jays. It will probably be their first big test. But if you look at the stats, if you go to the team stats, which is like I kind of want to get at, they are leading the league in OPS by almost 100 points. They are leading the league in homers by 8, RBIs by almost 21 RBIs here. They're not striking out a lot. They're the only team right now that has under 95 strikeouts, which is really remarkable. Actually, the Diamondbacks of 88, but they're the second team that does that. I mean, this is a team that's doing everything right. When you think about the Rays, you don't always think about the offense, but they're also leading the league in average. I mean, yes, they are 13-0, and and maybe some of those games were close against bad teams, but they are by far the most dominant team, and that's not even talking about the pitching, which is probably the best pitching staff in baseball right now. Yeah, and and they're without Tyler Glass now too, which is absolutely absurd. He he may be the best one of that bunch, but I I do think it's very important to note that they haven't played a team with a winning record yet. They've played probably the four worst teams in baseball up to this point. So I'm really curious to see what they do against the Blue Jays. That is definitely going to be their first big test. I think the Blue Jays are a very very good baseball team. They're sitting at what eight and five right now, um, somewhere in that vicinity, eight and five. Yeah, but. This team, like I said, they just do all the little things right. They have timely hitting, clutch hitting, great pitching. Um, I think it's a recipe for a good baseball team. Whether or not do I think they're a World Series caliber team, when you look around the league and look at teams that are spending so much money, like the Yankees, like the Mets, that have the capability to even go out and trade for a guy because they just have so much money that they don't care about their prospects. So the Rays are a very, very good story right now, whether – or not, I think they're going to be able to keep this up in the long run. Obviously, they're not going to go 162-0, and but this is definitely a playoff caliber team. Are they a World Series caliber team? I think that's still kind of in the air right now, considering who they have played up to this point. Yeah, it also depends on the health, too. I saw Jeffrey Springs said that he left early, left IL. He's most likely going to be placed on the 15-day IL. But actually, Jordan Romano, the uh, Blue Jays closer, had the same injury a few few years ago he missed the the minimum of 10 days on the 10 day 10 day IL but DeGrom had the same thing he missed the whole season had to get surgery so it's really going to depend on the extent of the injury what the testing shows see if he's going to have to get surgery or see if he'll be back the good news is though it seems like Zach Eflin will be back next weekend for them and the guy that they brought up to actually pitch the day before spring Todd Bradley looked phenomenal He's one of their top prospects. <laughs> actually had him on my fantasy team for a little spot start, and he absolutely shot. Yeah, I think it just says so much about this raised. I mean, every guy they bring through their system, it's it's what their analytics are so good at. You know, people think, I think, too much about analytics being in-game decision-making, but really what a lot of analytics does is player development, and they do it better than anyone in baseball. They're the model for small market teams like the Oakland Athletics if you want to be able to win. You know, I would even call maybe Miami Marlins a more smaller market because, you know, they've been struggling as of, um, as of late. Um, and there's a lot of small market teams that can take this model and adapt it. And I think it's shown that it can be very, very successful. One thing I want to talk about, 
I, I've seen these comparisons on Twitter with the MLB schedule and the NFL schedule. Through 13 games, this would be approximately week two with about two minutes left in the first half. Like, that's what this sample size we're seeing with the Rays is right now. Like, it could go away really quickly, and they could, you know, be a middle-of-the-road team in the AL East. I don't think that's the case here. I think it just puts a lot of pressure, though, on the Yankees and Blue Jays to start, you know, trying to get those wins and try to rack rack up those wins against a team, especially since there's less games against teams in your division this year. Um, but it's still very small sample size, so we're going to have to kind of wait and see, you know, how sustainable is the success here. Yeah, I I agree. The, the thing that I think really helps the Rays is their starting pitching. Pitching is, uh, to me the equivalent of having a good defense in the NFL. If you got good pitching, you're going to win games. And they may have the best up-and-down rotation when they're all healthy between McClanahan, Glasnow, Springs, Rasmussen, and Eflin. When they're all going, they're all Cy Young caliber pitchers. However, it's can they stay healthy? We've seen Glasnow hurt. Springs is hurt. Eflin coming back. Can this team stay healthy? And then, obviously, you're going to need some timely hitting and all that, but that's what the Rays do. I think that's been the theme of the race since I've been alive is they get timely hitting clutch hits and they kind of just hit the ball all over the field. They're not always known as this big power, big bopping team, but uh, they're doing it this year. Wander Franco already has four home runs. Rosarena three. Diaz, four. Uh, Brandon Lau, five. This team is built for success. It's whether or not they can keep it going and obviously they're riding the high of being 13 and 0 right now and everything's kind of bouncing in their favor so I am curious what it's going to be like when they start to face a little bit of trouble when there's uh you know you go through a bad stretch where you lose 10 straight games not saying that's going to happen to them but seems to happen more often than not in Major League Baseball where you're going to go through that hard stretch and I think you touched on a good point about Wanda Franco like trying to figure out if he could really be that real deal. They signed him to the big ex- the big extension very early on, so he's got a huge contract with the Rays that puts him with the club, I believe, till 2032 for 11-year, 182 million. And he hasn't really been able to stay on the field. We saw that last season, only playing 83 games. But, I mean, hitting over 300, four home runs. I mean, if he can be that steady cog in the lineup with the Rosarena as well, I mean, this lineup will be doing just enough to be able to get the wins with the staff. 100%, and you know, the lineup that they're putting out in this field right now is definitely not what's going to be up in September, August, October. Every team is bound to make moves. Sellers are going to sell. You know, buyers are going to buy. But this is an exciting team to watch. And I, I've watched them lately. I do think that they could win the division. Obviously, the thirteen and zero hope starts. But you know, just a few years back, the the Daniel Vogelbach led Mariners <laughs> went thirteen and two, and then I think ended up with maybe seventy wins. I'm not saying the Rays are, are like that. I think they'll be in the ninetyish wins range. But it's a, it's a blazing hot start, and it's something to build off of. And I and I, I want to transition within the AL East to the New York Yankees because I feel like it's relevant given where they're at. It's been I wouldn't say even an up and down start for the Yankees because I think they are still in a really good spot within the division. But they let up nine runs last night against the Twins to move on to the loss. They've been playing good baseball. Aaron Judge hitting over three hundred this year. They've been getting really really good pitching out of Garrett Cole. But they've struggled with the pitching depth, it seems. Clark Schmidt has struggled at times this year. The bullpen has looked really strong so far with Clay Holmes, Michael King back from injury, Wandy Peralta in there as well. So it's been a really good start for the Yankees, but a tough, tough loss last night. And Danny, where are your current current feelings about this Yankee team at 
given where the Tampa Bay Rays have been playing so far. Well, I just want to point out that it was nine runs in the first inning, mm-hmm. 11 runs on the game, so even a little worse. But I think if you're if you're a Yankees fan, there's nothing to be like legitimately concerned about. The Twins are probably going to be competing for that AL Central title. That division is just so wide open, and they got some guys that can hit. I mean, Correa's a... Could have been a $300 million man if he didn't have uh, that ankle injury. Buxton's very good. Um, I love Donovan Solano when he was in San Francisco. He's batting three forty-two right now. Um, but if you're a Yankees fan, there's, there's really not much to be concerned about. You know how good this team can be. The one thing that I would be slightly concerned about if you're a Yankees fan is the injury bug. I uh, you haven't even seen what Rodon can do. I love Carlos Rodon. He's going to be awesome in New York. He's a great pitcher. You guys are going to love him. Um, but can everyone stay healthy? Are you going to get a full season out of Judge? Is he going to be able to repeat that playing you know 150 plus games like he did last year that he really hasn't been able to do since his rookie season? Is Stanton going to be able to stay healthy the entire year? Him getting a little old. Is Rizzo going to be able to stay healthy? You go down this list of guys on the team, they're all great players. Torres, great. Judge, great. Rizzo, great. Stanton, great. But can they stay healthy the whole year? They're all starting to approach that wrong age of 30, wrong side of 30. So I think the the key to the Yankees this year is, you know, maybe they add another starting pitching arm uh, at the deadline or before the deadline, whatever that may be, um, because you don't know about Brito, you don't know about Schmidt. They've looked very good, they've looked unhittable, and they've also looked shaky, and you have Brito going two-thirds of an inning giving up seven earned runs. Yeah, I think the biggest need is a bat, to be honest. DJ LeMahieu as your one hole is not going to cut it. He's been struggling. He's been getting injured. Well, they've placed Volpe there, actually. That last right, game on the road trip that he led off with a double, actually. Um, he, he did play a little, But that was a game where they were arresting a lot of guys. They already clinched the series, I believe. Um, but I, I, DJ LeMahieu is an interesting leadoff. This bat, this lineup might... If Judge isn't hitting... It's, it's atrocious, for the most part. I will say Cordero's been a nice pickup. He's been a lot better than I would have thought. Glaber's been phenomenal. Rizzo, he had a pair of homers last night. He's hitting three twenty six. He's been good. Um, I, I Stanton, there's there's definitely places to be worried about him. Glaber's been great, but the back end of this lineup, I mean, the catching spot's always going to struggle for the Yankees. I think we, we got a little too excited with Trevino last year. He's not repeating. I do not think he's an all-star this year. Donaldson's scary. And then the the carousel of outfielders with Hicks, you know, uh, there and Cabrera, it, it gets weak at the bottom of the lineup. How, how long until Bader's back? You know? uh, I do not know actually. Yeah, he's he, he's going to be another good pickup when he gets back. I, I mean, I I, I, I think we got. I think Yankee fans got a little too excited with Harrison Bader um, in the postseason. He is not the power bat that he showed in that playoff run. He is more of a defensive guy who's going to get on base, steal a couple of bags for you hit probably 260, but give you gold glove defense. He's not going to be what we saw um, saw last postseason. Also looking right now, he's nearing a rehab assignment. So if I had to guess, probably a, a, a couple weeks still until he's back. But he he is close, but it, I, I'm, I'm not sure he's going to be the, the big bat that maybe we're, we're expecting out of Bader. I, I 100% agree. Let's look at his time with St. Louis. He was a defender. He was not a hitter. I mean, he hits, but... The small sample size in the playoffs obviously is going to just only amplify the expectations of the Yankees fans. And even with the Yankees, he had two seventeen. I mean, like it was really just that postseason run. I mean, I know he only had fourteen games before getting there, 
but he was. It, it's not like this guy was just amazing with New York once he got there. It really took the you know the DS series where he started to get things going. Yeah, but I think what he may bring is, is a little more than his bat. He. He comes in and he instantly brings a fire to that lineup, I feel like. You saw the guys got really excited once he got there. He was a, a vocal-type leader where, you know, you got your Captain Aaron Judge, who doesn't seem like a vocal guy. He's more of a lead-by-example type of guy. And then you bring Bader in and he just pumps everyone up. I think that's a big addition um, when, you know, I, the Yankees aren't struggling, obviously, but when you have a lineup that can be top-heavy, um, you have a guy towards the bottom of your lineup that gets the guys pumped up. Uh, I think that's a big addition. And if he's playing gold glove center field, like that's also very much needed. The Yankees got a big center field out there, and Bader can roam it with the best of them. No, yeah, I, I, I definitely think so. And I, I think a, you know, a, a big thing with the Bader piece too is with the bases now getting bigger. He could be a twenty bag guy. Uh, dude, in he New could York. be a forty bag guy. I mean, forty's ambitious because I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at his stolen bases now. I mean, his season high is seventeen. Um, Yankees steal more probably than St. Louis. So the Yankees steal a lot, honestly, compared to most teams. But he could be a twenty bag guy. I wonder if he could slide into that leadoff spot. But I, I still think it's going to be a DJ. I mean. Is he more of a bottom of the lineup guy? Kind of roll it over, and then how are you going to work Volpe in? I think this lineup's got got potential, um, but I, I've seen it with the Yankees before. When it gets cold and it's only Judge kind of moving things along, then it, it gets weak. And Danny, you mentioned this earlier, the pitching has has been suspect for the Yankees on the starting side. We've seen some great spot starts out of guys, but they have not been fully healthy yet. To see Luis Severino, let's see Carlos Rodon. Uh, Nestor Cortez looks like he hasn't really missed a beat from last year. Garrett Cole looks probably like the Cy Young candidate in the AL, him and Dylan Cease. Um, b- but, I mean, it, it's still a little shaky on the bottom of that rotation if they can't stay healthy. Um, there are concerns with this Yankee team, for sure, but I think being 8-5 and five at this point in the season is, is still a good spot. Yeah, Garrett Cole's looking like the, the Houston Astros, Garrett Cole. Like it looks like a pre, pre-Spider-Tech hole. Yeah, <laughs> the Cole that got a, that big contract. He's actually striking out people. He's not giving as many free bases away. And he's limiting the home run. That's a big thing, too. For him, he's always just been into big three, the, the three true outcome type pitcher. He's going to strike, walk, or hit, let up a bomb. And that's what people be doing off Cole. But as he's limited the home run and increased the strike and the strikeout and decreased the walks, he's just shown the type of pitcher that he can be and what he's done when he won the World Series with the Astros. I mean, he's got no home runs allowed this season. He let up a. League high thirty three last year. Um, he also struck out a league high two fifty seven last year as well. But I mean, I mean, he's only has seven walks across three starts and in nineteen innings. He's only allowed eleven hits. I mean, this is a guy. I mean, who's probably in a lot of you know conversation to be the Cy Young this year in the AL. I think it's a very good case. And if he can anchor that rotation, I think last year it was really kind of Nestor. Who you who anchored did for for a while, and you know Garrett called some great starts, but he also had some times where he would have you know innings where he would blow up and just not be himself. This, I mean, this is going to be a guy that is going to keep this rotation going, and he is you know knock on wood, you know he is a guy that always pitches. It's the number one thing I say about Garrett Cole is you know the best thing you can give is availability. He hasn't missed a start really since 2016. He missed a couple in 2021 battling that hamstring injury at the end of the season, but he pitched that wild card game regardless. I mean, he is always taking the mound for the Yankees. He is always taking the mound for any team he's played with. It's not till since 2016 where he was out and he only started 21 games that year. 
He's basically pitched every game since. I mean, this is a guy, he always takes the ball, and now that he's not giving up the long ball, I mean, who doesn't want Garrett Cole as their ace? Yeah, I I agree with you. He's pitching very well, but the one guy that I want to bring up is a guy that Yankees fans haven't seen, and that's Rodon. Last year in 178 innings, had 237 strikeouts to a tune of a 288 ERA. This guy is absolutely nasty. He was with my Giants last year, and I fell in love with him and was so upset when he left. However, that's a great pickup, and Yankees fans are going to love him. He's a fiery guy, really enjoys going out there and just absolutely shoving. I've seen him throw some absolute gems um, the past couple of seasons, and I think that's a guy that if he can stay healthy this whole year, he's going to be the guy that's going to anchor that rotation. Garrett Cole is great and everything, but... Rodon is absolutely nasty when he gets going, and the Yankees also haven't seen Sevy this year, who can also be an extremely good pitcher when he's on. He could be the most unhittable pitcher in baseball when he's really feeling it. So I think, you know, with Cole, Nestor's not pitching awful. Um, he's got a two two six one ERA and what two starts. So I mean. That's all right if you're going to project probably somewhere in the mid-threes for him over the course of a season with that ERA right now. And then once you get Rodon and um, Sevy back, this uh, pitching rotation is really kind of nasty. And, you know, maybe Clark Schmidt figures it out. Maybe Brito figures it out. Or you go out and, you know, pick up a guy that would maybe be a third option on a lot of teams, but he becomes your fifth starter um, for this Yankees team that could be very good. And I, I do agree with you, Ethan, that, you know, maybe they need a, a bat a little later down in the lineup. I think third base is a big question mark for the Yankees right now. Is it going to be Cabrera the whole year? When is Josh Donaldson going to get DFA'd or traded? No, um, no. he they'll, They're going to stick it out with Donaldson to the end of the year. I don't know. Way, <laughs> way too much money. He's batting DFA'd, 125. Yeah. He's also been hurt. He hasn't played the last few games. Small sample size. I mean, before the season, Aaron Boone was talking, they, they you know, if he was on Talking Yanks, and he, they asked him, you know, last year you said Nestor Cortez would be an all-star, um, and he turned out to be an all-star. He was the guy you said would have that, you know, big, big, big year. Who's that guy this year? And he said Josh Donaldson. Whether he's right or wrong, no, but they, they aren't giving up on a guy who's a former MVP and they're paying that much money. Uh, not yet. I don't know. I, I just don't now, see now, now, I, Whether I agree with that or not, no, I don't think he should be a consistent Yankee starter. But no one's taking that contract, and they're not going to drop him off. Um, they're not going to designate him for you're, a soccer. You're telling me, like, a tiny market, like, I don't know, Cincinnati wouldn't take a flyer on a guy just to sell more tickets? I don't think anyone's going to come to the ballpark like to see Josh Donaldson. I don't know, man. I'm just uh, throwing throwing that out there. Yeah, I, I, it, even hey, five, There's nothing about his game that makes me want to come to the ballpark. I don't, he's just a, a big name. I don't know. Is he even a big name? Yeah, I mean, he was an MVP. I think anytime you got an MVP, it, it brings a little bit of a name to him. I feel like the biggest thing he's done in the past few years is call Tim Anderson Jackie. I mean, that's like what he's known for. He's yeah. just known for being a jerk at this point. Like, he's yeah. just known for being that guy. Who's he's a disturber like, for sure. He's a disturber who's not good enough to really be a disturber. All right, I want to transition now. I want to talk a little bit about the Mets. Um, a little more interesting thing. I feel like that this is always this is always how it works. The Yankees are eight and five. It's such a more positive vibe around the team, and I feel like people are much more happy with what they've seen. The Mets are seven and six, and I feel like people are hitting the panic button. On this team right now, they're coming off a win against the Padres um, in their most recent game, but now they are hitting the road for a 10-game road trip, three games in Oakland, three games 
in LA and four games in San Francisco. Usually this road trip happens about the two, three month mark for the Mets. So this is really easy. They always usually go on one of these 10 game road trips during the year. But this is a little earlier. If you remember last year, they did not lose a series until they went on the West Coast road trip. If you remember two years ago, this is kind of where the wheels came off when they were leading the division for a lot of that year. And then they went on the West Coast road trip and they couldn't buy a win. So this usually wreaks havoc for the Mets in the past two years. But now they have it early on in the year. They start off at Oakland, so maybe they can get some momentum. But then it's off to L.A. against the Dodgers, and then they play the Giants. A lot of information there. But, Danny, current reaction to the Mets start of the season, and what are your expectations is on this long 10-game road trip? I think this is a team that definitely has World Series aspirations uh, over the course of the year. They got the money. They went out and spent it all. They got so many big names uh, throughout their lineup and in their pitching staff. It's just whether or not they can put it together. Uh, they don't have a guy on their roster batting, or I guess Tommy Pham, um, batting over 270 right now. The closest is Starling Marte at 268. Um, and when you got a lineup that features Lindor and Nimmo and uh, Alonzo, you expect those guys to be somewhere hovering around that 280 to 300 plus mark, and none of them are doing it right now. So, so my thing is not even the average. It's this is my, it's always been, I'm gonna I've been talking about this on those weeks for way too long. Pete Alonzo's got six home runs. Everyone else on the team has six home runs. I mean, he's the yeah. only guy who can put a ball out on this team. If you look at the Rays, everyone's got like three-plus homers on that team. You might not have the guy with six, but everyone could put the ball out. I mean, if Pete Alonzo does not show up to City Field, like if he, let's say something happens to Pete Alonzo, he's out for the year, this team is not scoring runs. Like they are, they are not scoring runs. His RBI numbers proved it. I mean, he was, you know, top of the NL in RBIs. If he's not showing up to the ballpark, this team is not hitting home runs, and they're not going to be scoring runs. Well, they need Vogelback to start hitting home runs. And that's not happening. <laughs> I mean, a little side note here. I'm going to bring it up, Danny. We all Our club baseball team has been having this conversation. Would you rather two Daniel Vogelbachs in a club baseball game or one Garrett Cole? You take two MLB players every single time. One Garrett, no one's touching Garrett Cole, though. Yeah, but you only have him for one game. And like, he's also the best hitter on the team, like, immediately. He has yeah. three home runs in the MLB. I, I think you take two. Volgobach's got no positional is, flexibility. He's going to play first base, and I guess you could have him pitch. Or, or he could pitch. I mean, like, I'm, we looked up the numbers. How hard does he throw? It was, like, what, 70 across a diamond? Like, I don't so buy you get that a, he throws he more than 80. I was looking. He was a Mariner. I was looking at his perfect game profile. And he actually ran a surprise. I think it was like a seven one six. Really? I was surprised. But no, across like, the diamond, he, he was throwing. Uh, he has like, to be one hundred percent. He's a major league <laughs> baseball player, dude. Like I don't know you, like, he's six foot two seventy. And also, like first base, he's also here's this: he's gonna get walked every time, and then he can't run on the base paths. Yeah, I mean, Garrett Cole's gonna get walked every single time too. Okay, yeah, but he also strike everyone out. Yeah, but that's one. I, like I also don't Vogel, buy he can Vogelback go. Vogelback protects himself in the lineup. Like, are you really gonna walk him twice to get to Mike Calamari? Like, no, is the team I, crazy? I, but then I can't get a base. If I get base, he's not scoring on from second. I depend. I would walk him twice. Like, why wouldn't you? He's the MLB hitter. <laughs> I'm just saying, Mike. Mike's known for putting some balls in gaps. I all, think Vogie Vogie can get the home from second Cole, base. No one. Cole would. All right. Here's this is my before we move on. My hot take was you'd rather Volpe than Judge. 
because Vol- Judge is not getting a, p- a strike. Volpe I can get I two bats before I, people start to realize. I kind of agree with you. Volpe's 5'9", what, 170 pounds? Like, people aren't going to realize And then he's also Anthony just going to auto third when he gets a third. Anyway, that's a side note. Um, fun discussion. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, maybe comment what you think um, <laughs> uh, if you're out there. Uh, anyway, um, you know, moving on with the Mets, I, I-, I do want to get to this team about the power Daniel Vogelbach, you know, the guy we're talking about, <laughs> he has not struggled. And I don't think there's a winning team in baseball. I don't want to harp on Daniel Vogelbach, but is there a team in baseball that wants him as their DH? Is there a team that's a contender that wants him as DH? Is there even a team in baseball that wants this guy as their DH? I mean, he does not have a homer this season. He has a single RBI and 21 plate appearances. Super small sample size, but nothing, nothing in his time in New York has given us any faith that this guy can ever be what... You know, they envision him trying to pair him with Darren Ruff, and Ruff now goes to San Francisco, and he immediately turns into Barry Bonds. Yeah. Um, but but I think if you want to narrow down with this team, Vogelbach's not the answer at DH, and they need a guy who can give them consistent power in that position. Yeah, they'd really – I'm sure they're really wishing they had Correa right now. Somehow go back and make a deal with him. But, yeah, this lineup is not going to win the East. It's it's not even close to being as good as the, the Braves. And the Phillies are getting they're gonna get healthy. They're gonna start they're gonna start playing better. I don't know how I don't know if they're a playoff team this year, but they're definitely gonna they're gonna be in some competitive games. So the Mets realistically are gonna be in the wild card. And they need to go out and they need to get a bat. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. Josh Donaldson in Queens. Am I crazy? Am I crazy? That's not Yeah, yeah. Beatty should be playing third base. They need to bring him They need Beatty. I mean Donaldson's a better glove than Beatty. Donaldson could I mean you're not going to DH Donaldson. You want his glove. I mean, Eduardo Escobar right now is hitting, you know. Is atrocious. He's hit a buck a three. Yeah, it's it's atrocious. I, I think mean, if you're if you're the Mets, you're looking at this, and you're looking at, you know, maybe bringing in a third baseman and a DH. And I mean, both of those guys, you're looking for 20 to 30 home run caliber guys. Whether or not that's going to be available this year or not is a different story. I think Beatty, like, they're not going to want to bring a Beatty because they can get an extra year, right? Yeah. They can get the extra year if they don't bring him up, which is a stupid rule, but... Regardless, they won't do that for that reason. But a guy like Josh Townsend, change of place, you know, he can. I thought the Yankees were going to ride that out, Mike. Um, I I said, uh, you, you know what? You're right. I think they will ride it out. But if they could trade him, they will. I'm just saying, if I'm bring, the Mets, bring Vogie to the Bronx. No, please don't. <laughs> I, I'm I I'm just I'm just trying to think of ideas here to bring in a guy with some power. Um, that can. I mean, Eugenio Suarez, I think, would like kind of be a good third baseman. You know, for this team, he's got some power. I, I don't know. I, I'm just thinking out loud here, but this team lacks power. They Eduardo Escobar should not still be the third baseman for this team. I know he had his first homer not that long ago, but he's not the right guy for this team at third base. They need a power bat at third. They need a power bat at DH. And hopefully Francisco Alvarez can maybe be a little bit of a power bat to catcher, which they have not had in a while. I, I, got, a, I got a crazy name to throw out there for you and, and see how you're feeling on it. Um, to bring in as a DH, bring in C.J. Crone from the Rockies. Rockies are a bottom feeder team, bottom feeder organization, probably going to sell, um, although who knows with the Rockies. But a guy like C.J. Crone already has four home runs on the year, would instantly come in and have the second most home runs on the team. Great. Uh, lefty bat to add to that lineup. I think that's a guy that Mets fans would be looking at as a uh, potential to bring in to play some DH and give Pete Alonso some rest days. Yeah, I think that'd be a perfect fit. Yeah, it's absolute bomb. He's gonna play. 
You can play DH. You can get him anytime you want. And get him in the New York market. The dude's gonna explode. Like he'd be he'd be a superstar in baseball. He's sitting on the Rockies and has been a part of this absolute atrocious organization for the past 15 years get him in a new york market he's going to become one of the the names in baseball that people talk about a lot the rockies are just in a place where their owner has absolutely no clue what they're doing the, the front office has no idea what they're doing i remember before the season he's like yeah i think we're going to be around 500 but looking at that roster it's pretty much just chris bryant and cj crone doing anything so Chris Bryant's not going anywhere. He signed that long extension. I mean, Chris Bryant and CJ Crone package deal to to New York. You get your third baseman. I mean, I said your, the Mets should have the Mets should have gotten Bryant when he was yeah, a free agent. They didn't. Um, Bryant should have re-signed with San Francisco. I don't know if the story. are the Rockies now going to be sellers of a guy like Bryant. Like, do the Mets want that contract with Chris Bryant, who's you know battled with injuries before? Um, I don't know. It, it's something we'll need to see. And I kind of want to move on here. Um, as we try to wrap up this episode, we did this last week. We went around. We gave an early season takeaway. Um, we talked about the pitch clock. We talked about the new rules last year, um, last uh, podcast. Not going to do that today. Um, but we did give a team a player. You know, it could be two, could be three, could be whatever you want uh, to talk about to maybe shed light on teams that, you know, not in this New York market. I'll go Danny, then we go to Ethan, then I'll wrap it up. So I have said this since the beginning of the year. I'm going to talk about a player who I think has – a legitimate chance, maybe not to win the MVP, but a guy that will finish top three in MVP voting this year in the American League, probably behind Judge and Otani, and that's Corey Seager. With the shift band, wow. yeah. him hitting lefty, he's batting three fifty nine right now, only has one home run but four doubles. The guy rakes. The shift really, really messed him up for a long time because uh, guys would just play four guys on the right side of the infield against him. But with the shift gone, Corey Seager is feasting right now, batting almost 360. I and think that's he, an interesting Rangers team. Yes, very interesting. I and think, I think it slept on because of you know how disappointing they were last year with Seager and Simeon uh-huh. getting there. But now they have DeGrom. They've got you know some pieces. They're 7-5. Yeah, I think, I think this Rangers team has... Probably not a legit shot to to beat the Astros in the American League West, but a legit shot to be a wild card team. In That's the an American interesting. League. I know. You, I mean, I know you're very familiar with that division, but it's an interesting division. You've got the Mariners, you got the Astros, two playoff teams in there, and then you've got Rangers, Angels at the top of the division right now, yeah. very early. That you know could make a case for wild card. I don't know about division, but they'll be in the hunt. Yeah, but that's that's my guy. I think Corey Seager's a name to to watch out for uh, for a lot this year. I mean, three three sixty right now already is uh, very good. You know, he'll probably settle down um, to right around three hundred. Um, but I think with the the shift banded, um, he's just gonna lace doubles in the gap and, and bat around three twenty. Somewhere in that range, I, I would guess, over the course of the year. And then he's a guy that you can expect 20 to 30 home runs from and play a great shortstop as well. Yeah, Seager was my pick to be a bounce-back player. After He also had the last year, he had the the biggest difference between expected batting average yep. and regular batting average. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. And his, his on-base percentage, Mike, 470. He's getting on base 50% of the time right now. How's Simeon doing this year? I think he's struggling. Uh, 212. Not I great. know he went the like, entire year last year, like basically we're not hitting yeah. a homer. Like, yeah. Um, and that's he does have a homer. Side. He does but they have, have one homer. They have Degrom. I mean, yeah. if he's healthy, you know, knock on wood, he's as close as you can get to an auto win. I know it wasn't that case in the Mets by a long shot, but I mean, I mean, he's still. I I'd say he's still the best pitcher. I mean, 
If you have one game, you're putting out DeGrom. I, if yeah. I have one game, I'm probably putting out Sandy. Ah, yeah, that's a very good argument for that. I mean, it's tough. Ver- I mean, Verlander? No, I haven't even seen him this year. Yeah, DeGrom I mean, hasn't looked great this year. I mean, four. I said, so I said, San, yeah. I said, San, yeah. Sandy's the only guy in the MLB right now that can go out and get you, like, get you a game. He can go the did distance. I did not actually. I'm going still off his complete game nine inning shutout. Um, listen, he's he's still probably the best pitcher in baseball. Degrom healthy, you're taking, but he hasn't seen. I haven't seen that. I I mean, honestly, there's an argument for Garrett Cole leads the league in quality starts right there now. Is, and you know what? There is there is uh there is an argument for Garrett Cole. I'd get behind that. We're forgetting Otani too. I mean, ah. I don't know. As a as a starter to go out there and guarantee you, like Otani's great. Don't get me wrong. He's probably I would say a top twenty starter in baseball. But as he that push number fifteen, but I like that as that number one guy. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take. I I could probably name twenty guys that I would rather take the ball in a one game series than Otani. I don't know about twenty guys. I think fifteen. You know, one thing I want to close. He's probably in that you know seventeen, eighteen, nineteen range in my head. Earlier, uh, about a week ago, I was surprised. Otani went out. Guess how many pitches he threw? How many? 110. That's crazy. In the second week of the season. Yeah, I mean, he's a gamer. He's a gamer. I mean, pitched World Baseball Classic. I mean, closed out. The- was he on short rest for that close or no? I don't, I don't I think, think so. I think he wasn't really pitching a lot just because... The Angels didn't want him pitching a lot for Japan. Yeah, yeah it, it, it makes sense. But, I mean, um, it, it's really interesting. But, Ethan, I know, I know you, were, you were talking about Seager as a bounce back. You're talking a little bit about the Angels. What's one takeaway before maybe I give mine to wrap up? I'll say a guy that Mets fans are very familiar with, and that is Jared Kelnick. Struggled his first two years up in the bigs, up in 2021 and 2022. But he's found his role, just hitting against righties, which I, I really like Maybe give him a few at bats against lefties, but yeah, he's batting three fifty one, over a thousand OPS, hit three bombs in uh, three straight games, including one that went four hundred and eighty two feet, farthest home run in Mariners history in the in the Statcast era. And I think he's a real dude to watch this season. Yeah, it's a, it's definitely interesting that whole division in the in the AL West. Very interesting. I'm gonna go with the Atlanta Braves, and I think this is kind of an interesting one. Because um, it, it, it's an it's an obvious an obvious pick, but they have confirmed for me that they are far and away the best team in this division. I don't think it's the Mets. I think it's the Braves. They'll continue to run it. And Ronald Cunha is a you know top five player in baseball. He is a top five M- MVP candidate. Um, when he's good, he's I mean he's the best you know probably the best outfielder in baseball. Um, next to a guy like you know maybe Judge or Betts, but. Um, can can't forget Trout and Harper too, but he is he has been that guy this year for this team, and then and then the other one, the other one I have is the NL Central. I mean, this is this is an interesting division. The Brewers and Pirates are currently at the top with the Cubs. I mean, the Cardinals are at the bottom. Way too early to, to say anything, but this division is going to be the one. That I mean, both central divisions are, are are going to be up for grabs, but I don't think the NL has been that as much of lately with the Cardinals and Brewers in some years kind of being being at the top of that. But this is a division where anyone I think top to bottom, Pirates shaky, uh, maybe Reds a little tough could could come away could come away with a win. I agree. The centrals in both AL and NL. I think it's just the markets. 
the markets like do people want to go play in Cincinnati? I think it's a tough thing to get free agents to go there. Especially Pittsburgh too. And I think Chicago's always going to have the upper hand. I think they looked good. I mean, they're a team that to watch with Swanson there, uh, Nico Horner. They're a very good team in the pitching. They look better too. So uh, there's a there's a lot to keep an eye on right now in baseball. Ton to talk about. Rays thirteen and zero. Remember today they play the Blue Jays. They go for the record to start the season. They can be fourteen and zero. That's going to be a big game. But always keep an eye on the Mets. Keep an eye on the Yankees. Ton 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 more to talk about when we come back next week. But from Danny Scott, Ethan Kramer, I'm Michael Calamari saying so long from the Bronx. Thank you so much for tuning into Nosebleeds. Have a great Friday. Enjoy the weather and have a great weekend. Thank you so much.